one born in this millennium has a better than evens chance of living to age 100. Even if you're 60, there's a good chance you'll live past 90. Yet most of the financial advice we see is based around a time when people live shorter lives and it hasn't aged well and is probably wrong. The Century Plan looks at the financial decisions needed to maintain a comfortable lifestyle where your money outlives you and not the other way around. I'm Dennis Hall, I'm a Chartered Financial Planner and I've been giving people financial advice for almost 40 years. And I'm Sarah Steele, I work with Dennis and I'm here to ask questions on behalf of you, our listeners, and to keep things on the right side of technical. Right, Dennis, how are you today? I'm pretty good, thank you. Good. Uh, did you know this is episode eight now of the Century Plan? I had a fair idea. Good, we're getting through them. We are. Okay, so in the past few episodes, we've talked about the philosophy, the history, and the science behind why we need to focus on our financial future. But I'd like to take it back to basics today. Okay. Is that okay with you? I guess. I mean, we know we need to be planning for a longer retirement. We've talked about life expectancy in previous episodes and what that means. But we're all very busy. We have busy lives now. There's a lot going on, a lot of things that we need to focus on. So sometimes thinking about that side of things can seem a bit of a challenge. Um, I think the easier route can be to stick our heads in the sand, um, which we both know isn't a good idea. No, but lots of us do it. For very good reasons at the time. Exactly, because you're thinking about other things. But So where do we start, Dennis? What do you talk about in your first conversation with a client? Well, there are a lot of variables with, with even that first meeting. So it depends where somebody is in their life. Um, you know, are they in that accumulation phase that they're still working to accumulate enough money in order to have financial independence? Or... Are they already retired, financially independent, but looking for, I suppose, the knowledge and security, the confidence that what they're doing is the right thing? But I'm looking at you, okay. <laughs> and I'm seeing someone who's in the accumulation phase. So let's yes. bring this down to you, because it'll, it'll be a little bit easier. Okay. Um, and I think we need to break this down. You know, the, the, you know, It's a big question. It's a lot to think about, Think uh, that question about financial independence and it means different things to different people and sometimes the complexity of it all is overwhelming so like a lot of things you try and break it down into easy manageable chunks Mm -hmm. so I would ask you really to say realistically if you didn't have to work to live and you'd, you'd accumulated sufficient money to Choose to work if that's what you wanted to do, or to retire and pursue other objectives. Is that what you want to do? How much income would you need on a monthly basis to have a satisfactory life? Um, okay, so do you want me to answer that question? Pluck a number out of the air. I will just pluck a number out of the air. Um, let's say five thousand pounds per month. Okay, that's you know it's a chunky number. <laughs> But even that, you see, there's a bit of hesitancy there. Is People are not always even giving that level of thought as to how much they would need in order to stop working. Mm. You know, they, um, but if, it, you know, if you did some of that work in 5,000, what does that actually mean? What do you need to have accumulated 
to support a 5,000 a month spending pattern, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And we've talked on the show about rules of thumb, and here is a rules of thumb, so don't read into too much into it. But to try and give you an idea of the size of the, of the challenge that's facing you. So if you, if you want to become financially independent with 5,000 a month, multiply that monthly figure by 300. Doesn't matter whether it's 5,000, 2,000, 10,000, multiply that number by 300. In your case, okay. that means amassing a sum of money of 1.5 million. Okay. In today's terms. Yeah, right. It seems like quite a big number. It is a big number, but you know, we've got other assets already. You're probably accumulating assets that are, that are leading you there. Um, and let's not get too hung up at the moment about the size of that number. Okay. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to get bigger invariably because inflation is going to is going to mean that it's not going to be 1.5 million. You know, if inflation averages, let's say three and a half percent, in 20 years' time, that one and a half million um, is going to be three million. Okay, it's an even bigger number, <laughs> isn't do. it? Yeah, and maybe those big numbers are slightly what scares people. <laughs> they do, um, but that shouldn't be the reason not to take action. We've got to start somewhere, and, and that one small step, oh, I'm beginning to sound like um, uh, Neil Armstrong now, and that one small step is, is what's needed to start us on that, on that path. And it's, it really is really simple. It's a saving step. And I know you probably didn't want me to say that. It really is that easy, is to just start saving money if you're in the accumulation phase. Yeah and create a savings habit and as you fulfill and you meet certain I suppose uh, milestones in that saving habit the first thousand the first ten thousand the first fifty thousand the first hundred thousand and again we're starting to talk about big numbers but over the years these add up you know we we tick those boxes and we'll be able to look back and say actually we've done that I've you know I have worked with people in the past where we've had similar objectives and we said look just go away for the next five years or so, save as much as you can to try and reach that number. And you know, the really nice thing is that some of those people have come back and said, I've done exactly what you told me, mm-hmm. and what next? Because I've, I've now achieved that. Yeah, yeah. Um, by, by being very clear about what it is they've got to do. Okay, so know where you're heading, basically. Yeah. If you've got an end goal, then you can start to plan towards it. It's easier to have, you know, it's it's easier to move towards something yeah. than it is to run away from something. Yeah. So could I do this by myself or do I need help from somebody? You know, I can go away and start saving, but that doesn't feel very structured to me. I think a lot of people can get those early steps done. As the numbers get bigger, we start to get more doubt in our mind about whether we're doing the right thing. And perhaps the later in life we are, before we seriously start tackling that um, financial independence story, the the bigger the problem seems, and and perhaps we might want to think about shortcuts, uh, there aren't any, Um, (laughs) or or taking more risk, and all of those things, like, I've left it too late, is it yeah. really worth starting now? I need something that's going to produce this. But life has this strange 
ability, I was going to say, but life does throw strange things at us, that once we start down a course of action, things change. Yeah. Um, and we can't predict how our life is going to turn out. Um, and if we were waiting for something magic to happen, well, it's a bit like John Lennon was saying, is life's the bit that happens whilst we're planning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not exactly what he said, but you know what I mean. Whilst we're planning to, whilst we're planning our life, it's actually going on around us, so just do something. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, so is that when we're starting to talk about investments? Now, the reason I, I say that is because when I'm out and about um, in social situations and I'm asked what I do... Uh, and I say I work with financial planners. Um, I mean, sometimes people's eyes glaze over a bit. Yep. But, you know, they'll say, okay, so you advise on investments. You you tell people what to do with their pensions. And and I want to get all evangelical and say, no, that's not, that's not even the half of it. H- how do you answer that question? Because I think that is a bit of a perception. Well, it is. And, you know, I suppose that's, it's, it's almost an expectation that that's what we would be doing, mm-hmm. you know, as financial advisors. A lot of people already have their own ideas about what they need to be doing and think they only want to come to us for that very specific area of, of help or advice. But as I've and we've been talking a little bit about today, it's helping people get clarity about what the target is, what's their money need to be doing for them, and by when, so they can get the, the right sort of time references. You know, I, we've said this in a previous episode, that a lot of people have a relatively short time frame when it comes to their money. You know, what do, what do I need to do over the next three to five years? But if you were in your 40s or 50s, there's a, there's a chance that your money could be working for 40 or 50 years. Why are you taking a three to five year decision over money that might be invested over 30, 40, or 50 years. You shouldn't. You know, that that money that is there to support you for the long term is going to be invested for the long term, Mm -hmm. and you would make investment decisions today based on that. So it isn't about giving you maximum accessibility and the lowest possible risk. Um, it's, It's about putting the money to work reasonably hard but without too much thought going into it okay you know you're busy you've got the day job you've got the children you've got homes that needs looking after gardens all of those things that that can fill our days and if we make the managing of our money the managing our investments so complicated um, either it's going to get ignored or the other things that are important to us are going to get ignored yeah. or it's all going to get looked after but not in a very good way. Okay, well actually that was my next question. Um, so the financial planning process as I see it is relatively involved and you know, we say that's where the value is really because that's where all the thinking takes place and we look forward as you say over to 20 or 30 years. So. Once we've done that, once we've done that, um, gone through that process, can I then just forget about it? Will it look after itself? By and large, you can get a situation where it looks after itself. I think the younger you are, 
when you are in the accumulation phase and you're just trying to build up savings is you want things that are relatively simple. You want things that are relatively low cost. Um, it doesn't always have to be the cheapest of cheap because you don't always get the best for that. But you want something that you can buy, invest and forget for a while mm. until your life becomes a little bit more complicated. It does with age. Um, or you get a bit more flexibility. As you get a little bit older, you've had a few pay rises, there is more surplus income, mortgages may be paid off, children may have left home, all of those things that mean you want to start to reevaluate and, and reconsider what's happening. Mm. So you, there's definitely times when you'd want to revisit it, otherwise you're not going to get the best outcomes. There are, and I think we all, over you know, after a period of time, we, we forget what we were doing and why we were doing it. So we want to check in. Do we want to check in and make sure the numbers are right? If I'm doing this, am I still on target? Because a lot of those things that we may have planned for have changed. You know, we've seen, um, you know, over the last year or so, how inflation rates have changed from being around 2% to, uh, you know, in double digit figures. We've seen how stock markets that are not rising at their average, but they're, you know, they one year 20%, another year minus 20%. These are all variables that put fear in our mind. So we want to make sure that we're on track. Okay, great. So, I mean, we've talked about, you know, how do we start and, and maybe when do we start? Uh, and that sort of feeling of panic that makes you think, well, it's too late. I just won't bother. What can I do now? Is it ever too late to start? Have you got any examples of people when they've come to you sort of later in their career or even in their retirement and they're just really starting to think about it then? I think most people leave leave the serious analysis too late but it's never too late to make a difference. It might be for some people too late to secure the quality or standard of life that they want throughout their lifetime. They are going to have to settle for something less yeah. But they can still make a difference. Mm. And I think that's important. Um, and even if that difference is, is relieving fear. You know, I, I, I worked with somebody a while ago who, who approached me, I've had several, but approached me in, with, with a huge amount of fear that, that they'd left it too late, they didn't have enough money, um, they'd got a whole pile of things of, of some share certificates, some pension policies, mm. and this was shortly after the 2008 crash when they thought they were they were broke. Yeah. And we took a look through everything and we said, look, this is not as bad as you thought it was. In fact, it's not bad. You did a you, you did a lot of good things and made some really good decisions earlier in your life, and then you forgot about them. Maybe there's something in that. But what you have today. No, it's not going to give you exactly what you wanted, but you're going to have a good life. There's enough income here to support you yeah. for the rest of your life and to mean that you don't have to move, you don't have to downsize, you don't have to stop going out um, for, for, for meals or, or yeah. things like that. You know, you, you, can have, you can have a life. Yeah. And that fear disappeared. And so they began to enjoy what they're doing rather than going out wondering whether that was the last time they could afford to go out and, and treat their mates or something. Yeah. And that's that's great. So that's a reassurance exercise. And also, uh, you, know, you can spend your money 
exercise, which is something that you've talked about before, is that it's not just about telling people to save, but also allowing people to spend. Yeah, and I think that's in, in all sort of all stages of our lives, is you've got to create a balance. There is no point working your socks off and having a miserable life in order to try and secure a happier life in retirement. Mm. Um, you know, there does need to be a balance. Uh, you know, all too often people die earlier than they expect. Um, and if you've done that without enjoyment, um, I think that's a very sad thing, mm. uh, uh, all in all. But many, many things happen along the way. Some things that you cannot predict, uh, even if you thought. And invariably, people find ways, if they're committed, to enhancing their life. Um, and some of the things that people enjoy doing in late life don't cost quite so much as they thought they did. Yeah. When we're a bit younger, we're probably a bit turned on by materialist goods and things that are expensive um, and we kind of don't necessarily need that as we get a bit older. Okay, all right, bear that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already there, I can tell you yeah. from experience. Okay, so I'm just going to throw in a question here. Go on then. Um, is there an element of life coaching in the work that you do? Yes, but that's very guarded. Okay. Um, there is, I think I'm here to get people over the line sometimes. Um, to make a decision that they can't make on their own with the with the knowledge that they've got. So part of it is giving them sufficient information to see that things could be different. But also, I'm I suppose I'm a repository of knowledge and wisdom from all the people I've been advising over the last. 35 to 40 years mm. and you know there are I don't think there are any problems that I meet today that I haven't met before okay. and most people have figured a lot of things out on their own and or, or with me and, and I can share that knowledge yeah. and there's a lot of comfort that people have if I can say well you know people like you have, have done this and they've done this successfully and we all kind of want to belong to a some kind of club, I suppose. Um, th there are too few people that want to trail break all on their own and try things new. Of um, yeah. Um, so that experience is actually very valuable. Um, if you can use real life examples. It is. We can shortcut all of those trial and errors that people might do if they weren't talking to somebody like me. And not just me, but, but anyone who talks to... Um, the members of the public for a living, you know, um, uh, and about financial advice are accumulating all the time success stories and failure stories too. Yeah. Don't do this because, yeah. do do this because. Yeah. Okay. No, that's great. So I've, I've thought about my financial planning and I've decided that I really need to do something now. So how do I find the right financial planner? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, there has to be some chemistry, authenticity, I suppose, yeah. is that you, you need to be able to connect and trust each other. It's a two-way process. Mm. Um, I can speak to it from an advisor's side. I need, you know, I'm not there to be anyone's friend necessarily mm. um, okay. because I need to be able to deliver bad news or, or less good news perhaps. Okay. 
Um, and but but there needs to be some respect. They need to respect me. They need to respect the advisor so that if if they are going to challenge them, they will respect why the the things that are being said are said, so that they do begin to take action. What you don't want is a, I suppose. A salesman who's going to say yes to everything you want because they want to get the sale. Yeah. That's not that's not the game that we're in. No. It's I need you to do and take certain actions if these are the things you say you want to happen. Yeah. So find somebody you can work with. Find somebody that you can work with over a period of time, um, and somebody you like. As I say, not as a friend, but who you respect and who you believe are telling you the truth. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. Um, and then if I'm sort of concerned about the fact that financial planning comes with a cost, because uh, it does, you know, we know yeah. that, how will I know if it's been worth it? It's very difficult, I think. It's a, a question I get all the time and, and I'm, I'm challenged all the time is about price. Yeah. Um, it's, an, it, it's an intangible, the advice that we give is quite intangible. We're not going to know whether it's successful until <laughs> almost we're on our deathbed. You know, am I, you know, the plans that I had, the life that I've lived with the finances that I had, how successful has that been? Yeah. We are also in business, you know, w- w- there has to be an element of profitability in order for me to live my life and my, my team and my staff. Yeah. If you're looking for the cheapest, um, I think you'll get shortchanged. Right. Um, professionals do cost money. They do come with layers of protection. I suppose if, if things go wrong, that insurance that, that you're going to be compensated, you don't get that if you're talking to uh, the guy down the pub who's not, not regulated, not authorised. And I suppose if they have already got clients like you who are paying fees um, like you, yeah. Uh, it's probably pitched right. I've heard it saying that it, it's got to be slightly uncomfortable for both parties. A little bit more than you wanted to pay and, yeah. the, and the person at the end saying, I wish I'd charged a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, th- that way that I think both sides are th- feeling it's pretty even. I mean, that's an unscientific approach. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, I would say I would be looking for that kind of level of comfort and confidence that we were talking about earlier. If I feel take away that fear, basically, yeah. uh, that a lot of people are feeling because they haven't done anything, um, or the people who are in their retirement phase and they think they don't have enough money left, taking away that fear is really valuable. I think it is hugely valuable. Um, and, it, you know, that could happen in just one sentence sometimes. If you've got the pick the right sentence or framing something right, then you can, you can see the tension dissipate in some of those meetings Um, and that's hugely worthwhile. I've been working with some clients um, for over 20 years. Uh, They wouldn't stick around if they didn't think they were getting value. Absolutely. Okay, last question. Okay. Pensions or ISAs? Both if you can afford it. Right. I like pensions because it can prevent you from accessing the money when things seem tough. Good point. Um, And then you've destroyed your retirement. Um, And I also like them. There's a little, I mean, from a tax perspective, whether you get tax relief up front or whether you get tax 
it's not tax relief, but you don't pay tax on their growth. You know, they're not that dissimilar. The pensions have a small edge in that some of that money is paid tax-free. And you might also, depending how it's structured, get some national insurance savings. So there's an edge, but people sometimes ignore that edge because they want the accessibility. And that accessibility that says, I would rather do an ISA than a pension, kind of tells me that they're not that serious at that point about their long-term financial future. They're still too worried, too focused about their short-term needs and accessibility. Yeah. Well, that makes total sense. Thank you, Dennis. No, thank you, sir. Sounded like an interview for a job. (laughs) It did, doesn't it? I feel like I've bombarded you with questions there, but, you know, selfishly, I found them very useful. Um, And I hope that everyone that's listening does as well. Um, But if you have any more questions along those lines, then there's our Twitter page. Um, Yes. Plan Century, the Century Plan. Uh, And we'd love to hear from you. So you mentioned price. I talked about cost. um, And I think that was something you'd quite like to talk about in future episodes. It it is. um, As I say, it is something that I get asked a lot. As an individual, I think that I'm, I'm, you know, we, we are pricing right. It's just that sometimes people who approach us are not right for us. They're not at that level where, you know, we, we add a certain level of rigour to the work that we do. Um, yeah, it is. that rigor, And that rigour costs money. You know, I have, in order to attract the right qualified staff to do that work, I have to pay a certain level of, of salary. Yeah and make it a nice place for them to work. Okay. Yeah, that's right. it's right. Well, let's talk about that one next time. Yes, let's do. <laughs> <laughs>